On this episode of the State of the Bulldogs with Sam, Mike, Jeb, and Grant, we recap the great win over the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana, uh, give a little FCS playoff update as the Paladins roll on, and talk uh, what what's left on the non-conference slate for our Sanford Bulldogs. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and leave a good review. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at State of the Dogs. And with that, let's kick this thing off. I would imagine that! He's got room. Inside the five to extend it and wins it. Go, God, champ. Fellas, the FCS playoffs are in full swing. The committee uh, in the FBS selected the top four teams today. It's Sunday, December 3rd. We're officially in December, the last month of the year. And we're kind of playing around with the podcast format. We're going to start off with a little bit of around the horn. And then last week we we gave a SOCON recap. We'll keep that rolling. And then we'll kind of get into our normal, you know, preview recap, all that jazz. But around the horn, boys. You have 30 seconds or less to answer. We'll go one question at a time. Uh, Grant, you can kick us off. Most impressive player offensively uh, on the basketball team so far. Good question. I think I'll go with AJ State and McCray. We just knew how elite he is on the defensive end. He was one of Sanford's leaders in steals last year. But just on offense, the way he attacks the rim without fear, sometimes with too much reckless abandon going in there hoping for a foul. But still, he he gets in there, tries to make stuff happen. But just the way he finishes in the paint and through contact is pretty impressive. Also, his three-point shot's improving. He's at a 42% clip right now, and he just had his season high in points against Louisiana. So I think AJ is kind of a guy that you watch out for, especially with Jermaine being out the last few games. Wow. That was 31 seconds on the dot, Grant. Uh, Mike, what about you? I was not prepared to only speak for 30 seconds, but uh, Grant, <laughs> I like your answer with AJ. I'm going to have to go with Chor Chor. He's a guy that last year, uh, not going to say he disappointed us last year, but he wasn't you know, what we needed offensively from him. But this year he's been the guy. He's our leading scorer, averaging 15.1 points per game. He's highly efficient, shooting 55% from the field. I think he went 9 for 11 today against LaGrange. Not that that means anything. Uh, if he can stay out of foul trouble defensively, I think his offensive ability will really be a spark for us down the stretch. Yeah, he's a beast. He was just raw last year. You know, he's finding himself, yeah. finding his groove. Yeah, All right, second sure. question. Has a lighter non-conference schedule so far been helpful or hurtful uh, to preparing the team as we get, as we get closer to the conference schedule? I mean, I think it's I think it's been more helpful, like especially with Jermaine going down, just trying to find different rules for certain guys and seeing which guys will step up. Jaden Campbell, those first few games, and we talked about in our preview episode, like which guy who will step up without even knowing that Jermaine would get hurt, just who would be that guy. And we've seen Jaden and AJ, like I mentioned, Rylan Jones is also getting better and better. So I think it's been beneficial for the guys over the last seven games to kind of grow more as a team. So I think I think it's been more beneficial for them. Mike. Yeah, I kind of wish we could flip the way that we've done things and have the the easy games to start the season and then finish off the non-conference with Purdue and VCU and, and Belmont. Um, 
I, I agree with what Grant said, though. I mean, given the Jermaine injury, it's given us the chance to kind of test what a Chor can do in his place and what uh, Alden Spock can do in his place because he's obviously a true freshman that, uh, you know, needs some fine-tuning as any true freshman does. So uh, I just think given the, the number of impact transfer, transfers that we have, uh, the ability to basically scrimmage for six or seven home games is really important. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And then the last question, boys, kind of switching over to football. Outside of uh, South Dakota State, who was your favorite for the FCS National Champion? Mercer? Uh, No. Sorry. I'll probably just go with Montana just because it helps that they're on the other side of the bracket, so they don't have to worry about facing them in the Final Four. And so I think Montana would be where I would lean, and even my Spotify rapped said I should be living in Bozeman, Montana, the way like the music I listen to. So I don't know That's why awesome. that happened, but but let's Mine. go, Grizz. Yeah. I mean, anytime North Dakota State's in there, I don't care if they're not seated. You got to respect the name, as Sanford learned last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know they're playing a, a better seed in, in South Dakota this weekend, but uh, let's go to North Dakota State. They certainly have the luck factor rolling with them this season. So, yeah, it's very plausible. Uh, I'm with you, Grant, though. Go Grizz. They're certainly a fun brand, fun brand to watch. But, Mike, let's pivot back to basketball. SoCon is well underway. Some falling stars, so to speak, and uh, some steady eddies. Kind of give us a rundown of what, what's been going on so far. Yeah, you said it, Sam. Uh, I think the first couple games of the season, really across the league, everybody thought the SoCon was going to be a conference to look out for, and I think things have kind of cooled down a little bit. Outside of Sanford, obviously, with a big win against Louisiana, I'll just kind of run through some of the top competitors in the league and, and teams that we think uh, you know, might be up there in the top half come end of SoCon play. So uh, UNCG to start off, and obviously they had that big win. Um against Arkansas, right? They're the ones that beat Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was massive. Arkansas looks to be a pretty good team, given that they just beat number seven Duke. But uh, UNCG is currently 97th in Kempom, and this last week they had wins against Illinois, Chicago, and William Peace. So two um, really not impressive wins, but still wins by big margins, 58 to – well, Illinois, Chicago is 58-57, but – William Peace, they won 88-56. Key to UNCG is going to be uh, McKeel Brown-Jones. I mean, the guy's going off, averaging 22 points a game. Um, I'm sorry, he's averaging 18.9 points a game, which was up from 10 points a game last year. He's 6'8". He's the the big forward transfer from uh, VCU um, out of Philadelphia. So he's somebody to look out for for SoCon Player of the Year. Moving on to Western Carolina, who is my pick to win the conference. Um, I will say, when I put money on them as a future, they were yeah, plus 1,000. Right now, they're plus 500. So I would hey. say okay. yeah. it's a good bet on my part. It's a good I think bet. Sanford's like, I think Sanford's like 650 or something like that. Yeah, maybe. I, I, was, I looked at the other day. I can pull it back up at some point. But yeah, uh, yeah but. Western's still looking really strong. I mean, this past week, they had three games uh, against Northern Alabama or North Alabama, Tennessee Tech, and Gardner Webb. Only loss there was to Gardner Webb, who's currently 160 in Kimbaum. And that was a uh, pretty close five point loss, 77 to 82. By far the best out of those three. Exactly. I mean, the Tennessee Tech is 323 in King, Kim Palm, and I mean, 
that shouldn't have been a close game and they only won by four. And then North Alabama uh, sitting at 210 in Kim Palm and they beat them by 18. So can you cash that bet out? (laughs) (laughs) No, actually I can't. And I'm not sure why, because you can cash every other bet out, but not futures. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, okay. It's not on Western. That makes sense. They probably know something I don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, Western, we know they've got uh, a ton of talent. Wolbright's been balling with averaging 21.7 points a game, mm-hmm. 1.9 rebounds, and 4.7 assists. So he is Western's pick for so-called player of the year. Uh, if he can continue that through league play. Yeah, he's a beast. Absolutely. Now, Sam, your favorite team in the SoCon. Chattanooga Mocs. Let's go. <laughs> what did I say last Chat, week, guys? Uh, they started off hot. I think everybody was a little concerned about those guys, but they've cooled off with two straight losses to Lipscomb and Moorhead State. Yeah, cooled off like the tundra. <laughs> Nonetheless, you know, chat for me, still a threat. Uh, I mean, Lipscomb's a pretty decent team. They're uh, 166 in Kempom, but they've, I think there's been a lot of, uh, they've played a lot of similar teams. Uh, So it'll be a good team to compare against. And then Moorhead State's always like, you know, they're not a cakewalk. But I mean, Chat has four players that are averaging double digits. Hunter Huff is as advertised. And then that 6'10 guy from Prague, Sam Alexis, uh, has been kind of a beast. I think he had like 20 points in there lost to Moorhead State. So I definitely think with all the transfers and then, you know, the new players at chat, Daryl will get them ready to roll by SoCon play. Yeah, that Sam Alexis kid is he's one to watch yeah. out for. And then is it Miles Che? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't ask the announcers. I'm sure we'll get a different version every game. <laughs> I remember they said Michael Che, the guy who's on SNL now. Not Miles yeah, Grant. J. We'll, we'll have to wait for Blake's pronunciation. Uh, it will be correct. Uh, exactly. Yeah, That's what we know. Those things. <laughs> Speaking of chat, just looking at just looking at their schedule, like their last non-conference game is Auburn. Like they have a three-game stretch where they at Auburn December thirtieth, at Samford Jan third, and then host Furman on Jan sixth. It's like, oh, good lord. L. That's tough. L. Dang. L. That's a three-game yeah. stretch. Take a break. Well, yeah, they might beat Auburn, and then they play VMI. But still, that three stretch, three game stretch. But yeah, moving on to uh, this, probably the favorite in most people's eyes, Furman. Uh, Furman's currently ranked one thirty six in Kimpom, which is three behind Western at one thirty three. Uh, UNCG's at ninety seven, and I actually don't know where Sanford's sitting, but it's somewhere in between there, I believe. Uh, Sanford is Sanford's one thirty one right now. Okay, so we're all, you know, Sanford Western and Furman are all right there in the 130s, but Furman had a win against SC State, uh, which is not a good team, and then most recently lost to Princeton, 69-70. to Princeton is uh, every year in contention for, you know, to be in the in the March Madness tournament. Uh, Grant, I think you said J.P. Pegui almost hit a walk-off. Yeah, Princeton hit a three to go ahead with like four seconds left, and Pegui went down the floor and almost the same spot he hit the shot against Virginia had a three go in and out at the buzzer to lose to Princeton by one hate to see it yeah and then they play Arkansas by the time we're recording Monday on December the 4th so yeah that'll be that's that's one of my you know one of the two best games this week in my opinion but 
Furman's kind of what we expected. I mean, Foster and Piggy are kind of that two-headed monster, but then you've got Williams, Alex Williams, and then P.J. Smith, the transfer from Lee University. All four of those guys are averaging 10-plus points per game. Uh, Foster's averaging almost 20 with five-and-a-half rebounds, and Piggy's got 5.4 assists per game. So uh, I think everybody kind of knows what they're getting with Furman. Uh, Wait, transfers but- are allowed to score points? <laughs> kidding, kidding. That was not. <laughs> Furman, the second favorite in the league right now, per FanDuel, plus 210. So Yeah, Grant, walk through. You yeah. just had those up. Walk through the futures right now for uh, SoCon regular season champions. Yeah, SoCon regular season right now per FanDuel. UNCG in the lead at plus 140. Furman second at plus 210. Then it drops a little bit to Sanford and Western, both at plus 600. And then the, the next tier drops off, but... With chat, who's as we said, as we said, dropped their last two at plus sixteen hundred. So, well, UNCG. I mean, that's a team that I think media and coaches were high on. I don't think any of us here. I I think there was something missing for us, but clearly, yeah. um, well-rounded team so far. I think it's just all about what you, what you know. <laughs> oh, really? Well, no, as in they have the most known commodities coming, like the most production returning. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought Western did too. Like Western and Furman. Yeah, but Furman's having to replace two huge guys, right? Like Western and UNCG brought back their stars. No, absolutely. You're right. Uh, I don't put a ton of stock into early non-conference games just because there's no way to, to normalize who we're playing. Uh, right. So as soon as right. we get into SoCon play, I think it'll be a lot easier to tell, you know, what uh, what's in everybody's arsenal. Uh, but still, some quality games. Um, well, I was I was gonna say that uh, when we look a little bit further into the episode, we're gonna look at our non, the remaining non conference schedules and give y'all some stats that surprised us. But to that point, Mike. Maybe these stats are a little bit inflated because we haven't played, you know, the creme de la creme, so to speak, of what D1 college basketball has to offer. Uh, yeah. But neither has most of our uh, competition. So it will be interesting once conference play begins to see how these teams truly stack up. Fortunately, we're only a couple weeks away uh, from that Chattanooga tip off January 3rd. Yes. Yeah, Grant mentioned Furman and Arkansas this week, which will have been played before this episode airs. On uh, It's going to be on Monday night. But Western and UNC Asheville play on the 9th. Uh, UNC Asheville is a tournament team last year, currently sitting at 205 Kim Palm rankings, and they have Drew Pember, who's an absolute beast. He is a former high school teammate of Quest mm. Glovers out of uh, Bearden High School in West Knoxville. He's a three-star who initially – Started at Tennessee, uh, got oh, really? some like decent minutes as a fresh as a true freshman at Tennessee, which is hard to do, and has just been an absolute force for uh, UNC Asheville since he's gotten there. I think he's got maybe back to back MVPs uh, of that league, maybe one or two Defensive Player of the Year awards. So uh, he is a stud and would be fun to watch matched up with some of uh, Western Carolina's athletes as well so that game will be on the ninth but that's you know that and then Furman Arkansas are the two best games this year or this uh this week in the conference do you know why he left uh just 
playing time. I think, I mean, he was a three-star who was going to have to fight to get playing time unless he wanted to sit around until he was like a junior, senior. And, gotcha. Um, to me, I kind of thought he was better than UNC Asheville. I actually wanted Sanford to, uh, to look at him, and I thought he probably could have gone to another, like, you know, high major team and gotten some good, some good role play in. But, um, I mean, I think he's like six, nine and has a pretty decent shot, uh, from three. So he's really, I mean, he's, he's really an all around player. Good on defensive end as well. So I thought UNC Asheville was a weird, a weird landing spot for him. I'm kind of surprised he's still there, honestly. Yeah. 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 You kind of think maybe he'd do the the quez route where you start high, transfer down. And then once you've, you know, yeah. have uh, first team all conference transfer back up. I mean, maybe he really likes Asheville. Kind of looks like a guy that would really like Asheville. <laughs> and then this year is his COVID year, so he's they hung around. So pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it should be a good game to watch. My props to him for not moving up somewhere else. So let's talk about our our nice win against Louisiana. So full disclosure. Macaulay was playing in the state title that night against our our tribal Baylor, and we won. Uh, rest assured, Macaulay has now won four of the past five state championships, which is wild to say. Uh, but it conflicted with uh, the Louisiana game. I asked my buddy uh, about, I don't know, an hour and a half after the game began what the score was. Not really knowing. I mean, we talked about it last week. We were a little tepid about what the team might look like without Jermaine uh, we knew that Kobe Julian was really good and he would pose a problem. And so when my buddy said well, we're up 20 points, I was like, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to rewatch this game. So guys, tell us about it. I mean, Kobe did get his, but as we've talked about, a chore, chore, <laughs> AJ State McCray and Jaden Campbell, the three-headed monster that uh, if we keep that together, we'll be scary. Yeah, it was strange. They kind of ran Louisiana out of the gym a little bit, like not in a, but with like high turnover margin, but just talking about how sped up and you get cross court late and you're trying to get into your offense while quitting the half court. And as you mentioned, Julian at 29, but no one else had more than 10. And coming into the game, I believe Louisiana had made 10.93s a game and only made four, I believe, as a team. So that's something we talked about in the preview of Sanford improving their three point defense, especially against also con teams who know how to shoot the three really well so it's just cool yeah, to see good. see that defensive effort and yeah they were three for 19 from three point range and julian had three of those at three of the three <laughs> so so it was cool to see them have that defensive effort and again three guys that score 19 or more points you're not going to lose many games when that happens yeah this is a fun game to watch it kind of reminded me that <laughs> The look in Louisiana's eyes, the players' eyes, kind of reminded me of the look in our eyes when we were playing Purdue. <laughs> you know that feeling when you're just getting swarmed on all ends. They're hitting everything. You can't hit anything. Granted, Sanford wasn't necessarily hitting everything, but uh, I was about to say our three point percentage steals. The three point percentage, percentage, no, but the full court press, the number of turnovers we forced, uh, just kind of felt like everything was bouncing our way, and. To Grant's point, when they only had three threes and they live behind the arc, uh, that's that's exactly what you want in a big win. And this is a team that we lost to last year, so oh yeah, it's great to come out and uh, beat them by over you know more than twenty points. No, great. That was Sanford's first win against Louisiana in, in school history too. Hmm. It's kind of weird. Is this how that, the second time we played? How it turned out they were zero and ten coming into the game last week. Zero and ten. 
Oh my goodness. I didn't realize that. I was just going to say that yep. last year's Louisiana yep. team was certainly different. Uh, Kobe was still a beast, right? But I mean, that team won, they, you know, they won the American and had a nice, nice tournament appearance. I don't know if this team's as good. Kobe's obviously still the star, but a, a good win nonetheless, especially after a slew of teams that you got to look up where they're from, right? You never, we didn't know how to or how confident we should be in, in in this little win streak that we're on, but this was nice. I mean, a chore, chore, 25 points, eight rebounds, two blocks, and two steals. And then AJ had 22 points and Jaden had 19. I mean, guys, what is this? A, is this a, a new leaf for the Sanford, uh, for the Sanford guards? You would hope so. I mean, again, they weren't shooting the well dimension, but still. As I mentioned about AJ off the top, everybody was doing well attacking the rim and getting to the getting the free throw line as well. Even Ryland Jones, he only finished with six points, but he had nine assists. So he was again putting guys in great positions, especially a chore chore down low, finding him down there for easy buckets down low. Yeah, AJ, there was something different about AJ in this game. You could just tell like the look in his eyes. He just looked aggressive. He he looked like he wanted it. He was getting fired up anytime he hit the floor, anytime he made a big shot, and he was making crazy shots that you don't expect players to make. So I think he's really stepped into a leadership role with Jermaine out. I think, you know, he's really taken on that, uh, you know, he's, he's got that go-to guy mentality, him and a chore mm-hmm. chore. Um, but man, it was just fun to watch just everything flow so well. Yeah. It's going to be scary if he can keep that mindset when Jermaine comes back. I mean, to have a, go-to slasher so to speak in AJ and a go-to big man in a chore with his nice smooth little whatevers uh and then Jermaine who's just a dog everywhere that is a nice and then you sprinkle in Jaden Campbell and then if one of our transfers decides he can you know make a, a three-point all of a sudden you got yourself a team yeah I think the most positive thing about this game outside or at least on the offensive front defensively so much to to be positive over, but the fact that we only hit five threes and we still managed to put up 88 points, I think it goes to show kind of what Bucky has been saying all off season. And, and, you know, early in this year is when you've got a team that can move the ball this well and can really focus on the assists and the flow of the game, like it's, it really opens up the game offensively so that when you're not shooting well, you can still find ways to score the ball. And of course, a lot of that came from the defensive front, the, 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 yeah, the, the the turnovers we forced on defense that led to fast break points mm-hmm. was was a big part of uh, those eighty eight points we scored. But um, I just think this team's a team that's going to find ways to to win ugly games when they're you know the, the ball is not dropping the basket. It's an exciting brand of basketball to watch. Uh, it's not it's not night and day from last year in every respect. But in the sense of kind of playing more as a collective offensive unit, because I think defensively we still had the same kind of tenacity and energy last year that we have this year, which is good. Um, But from an offensive perspective, we seem much more just like a unit, right? That's moving the, the, the ball towards the hoop. And it's fun to watch. But uh, guys, let's continue. Let's continue talking about, about the basketball team. Um, 
But but first we got to talk about Whammy and and we got to answer our trivia question. So if you're a listener of the pod, you know Sanford Sports gets us excited. But before we start our game day, we love brewing up a pot of Whammy. It is roasted locally in Birmingham, and they always have an incredible assortment of beans from around the world. So for the perfect start to your morning, you can pair our podcast with a cup of Whammy and uh, just head to whammycoffee.com and order today. But fellas, the trivia question. So this was a fun one. I uh, had to look up a little Furman, Montana history. They've only played one time before. Uh, it was in the national championship in Chattanooga in 2001. Fortunately, Montana won 13 to six because we probably still would not be hearing the end of it had Furman won. Um, but we would be constant, constantly reminded, uh, similar to probably how Georgia fans constantly reminding everybody about their 1980 national championship until two years, three years ago. But um, I noticed that in the semifinals. Leading up to the game, uh, Furman was paired against another SoCon foe. So SoCon versus SoCon, 2001. Furman was the three seed. This team was the two seed. Who were they? Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go App State. That's a good guess. Good guess, Mike. Good guess, Mike. Grant? Can't remember if they were still in the OVC at this time, but Georgia Southern? Good guess, too. I was curious where Sanford was at this time. We were an independent team. We were not in a conference this season. This might have been in a transition period um, from D2 when we went back to D2, when we rebirthed, uh, so to speak. I'm not totally sure, but Sanford was not in the – well, obviously, we weren't in the SOCON yet, but we weren't even in the OVC yet. And uh, Grant. They Georgia Southern was in the SoCon by this point, and they were the uh, team that Furman played. Very nice guess. I Let's think go. Georgia Southern has wow, the most. Go, Grant. Got one right. Let's go. They have either the most um, national championship appearances or maybe playoff appearances. They had some stat before they left, but I mean, obviously a powerhouse. But you know, kind of cool. SoCon on SoCon right there in the semis. 2001, Paul Johnson was their head coach of Georgia Tech and Navy option fame. Wow. Furman's coach, was, or Montana's coach, or Furman's, I can't remember which one I was looking at. He went out to coach at Vandy. So two two coaches who, who left. When did Paul Johnson leave Georgia Southern? 2001 was his last year. It had to have been. Yeah. I was about to say, it had to have been pretty close to that because he was at Georgia Tech for 15, yeah. 16 years. Yeah, then Georgia Southern had another wow. coach for three, Brian Brian Van Gorder, who was the like defensive coordinator at Notre Dame in the past, and then Mr. Chris Hatcher from 07 to 09 was that coach at Georgia Southern. So let's continue talking about basketball. Uh, let's, we got four games left in the non-con. Uh, we got Alabama A&M. They're 344 in the Ken Palm, so hopefully that's an easy, easy dub. Belmont is the biggest game left. They're the 153. We play Valparaiso who's at 318, and then Texas Southern at 241. So kind of all over the place, guys. Uh, before we dive in there, there were four or well, five stats that I saw on a national level that were very surprising, to say the least. First, we were we are forty currently 45th in the country in offense, averaging 83 points. So top 50 offense in America. We're 14th in the country in assists at 18.5. And Mike, you mentioned this uh, before we started recording. We were 
in was it twenty second, three hundred twenty second in the country last year? Yes, yeah, per Ken Palm, three hundred twenty second. Crazy. Uh, we're sixth in the country in fast break points at twenty a game. What this is this is one I love. We're twenty third in bench points. So you know we're wondering how can we keep winning without Jermaine? How were we not going through a similar seven game losing streak like we did last year? Depth. 20, 30, averaging 32 points a game from the bench, phenomenal. Uh, and then top 10 in the nation in steals. Love to see that at 10.6. Now, as we mentioned at the beginning, will that continue in the in the conference? Who knows? Certainly our style will continue. So relatively speaking, we should stay pretty elevated in the assists and steals category, fast break category. Um, but I would probably expect bench points to go down. Offense probably stays about the same, um, but it'll be interesting to track. So guys, going to the non-conference, what kind of sticks out? What are we looking for? I think you kind of touched on that. The Belmont game, it's, it's kind of been a nice little matchup, maybe a rivalry the last few years. It's kind of been a home-and-home home flipped. I remember two years ago, Sanford went up there and won, and Belmont won uh, down here last year, but still just exciting to see that matchup, and maybe that's something that happens every year going forward. I'm here for it. Yeah, Belmont game's always a fun one. Um, last year was not fun, but that was like the end of our uh, little drought, I believe, and we kind of turned things around good. afterwards. But Yeah, it was. I was at the Belmont game down in Birmingham two years ago. I will be in Birmingham that weekend this year. I'm, I don't think I'll be able to go to the game, unfortunately, but would love to try to sneak over if I can. I think, you know, my biggest the, – the biggest thing I'm looking for these next four games is our – the four-five position without Jermaine or with Jermaine, and our ability to stay out of foul trouble there. Um, as we mentioned earlier, Troy Chor has been huge on the offensive front, and he's so good on the defensive front. But he's prone to foul trouble with Jermaine out. Riley Allenspach has had to step in a little bit, uh, kind of playing the big man position, and he's also um, had a little bit of foul trouble like against Louisiana. And some of the some of the fouls called against him against Louisiana were, were bad calls, but um, without them two, it comes down to Zach Loveday, who we've seen is, has not gotten as many minutes as we would have liked. So that's my biggest question and concern right now, outside of our outside shooting ability, uh, is just our ability for our big men to step up and stay out of foul trouble. That's fair. That that is certainly a weak point um, that teams could exploit if if we get to that. Well, especially when we talk about guys like Mikhail Brown Jones and you know some of the the big you know six nine seven footers in the SoCon that have been dominating so far in in non conference play. Um, we've talked about this so many times in the podcast, but the big men, the post position in mid major and low low major batter, is that we call it low major? Yeah, it's uh, basically yeah, basically the, the big yeah. man position in these lower leagues is is a, is a difference maker. And so our ability to score down low and our ability to defend down low will make or break this season. Have we seen anything um, encouraging from Zach Loveday in the kind of the increased playing time he's gotten, or are we still just kind of like not, not the greatest depth piece there? He had 13 points today against the Grange. He had 13, 13 points, four boards today. Like anything positive, You'll take and see if that translates, but I just don't know. Like in Louisiana, he he played a few minutes, I think, but that game 
was just too fast for him. And like some of the, or a lot of these games in this conference circuit games give a play with high pace, moving up and down. So unless a chore and Allen spot get in foul trouble, I really don't know how many minutes he'll average over the course of conference play. But I don't know how he fits in on the, like what we're trying to do with the full court court press. Uh, you know, I don't know that he's got yeah, yeah. the speed and athleticism that we Correct. need to. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's an interesting fit, especially because I mean, Bucky brought him in. You know, like he's Bucky saw that he's not necessarily the fleetest of foot, and he still got him on the roster. So, Bucky sees something. I mean, it's we're not a charity over here. I know we're a Baptist school, but there's got to be something there that Bucky's trying to extract. So I guess we'll just keep watching. Yeah, true. A true watch this space situation. We don't know what will happen, but yeah. But one thing we talked about with with Marshall being out is the additional minutes that Alex Bach is getting and now Loveday is getting some minutes and the ability for, you know, Chor Chor to really step up and be the guy at the four or five position. Uh, I think that position will evolve over the next two, three weeks heading into SOCOM yep. play, uh, depending on when Jermaine comes back. Especially if AJ keeps his offensive performance, like we've seen the last few weeks that he can be a guy that consistently put up points when those other guys are in foul trouble or, he can stay on the floor longer to help with that defense if Jermaine or Chor get in foul trouble since he's so long and athletic. Grant, have you heard? Yeah, uh, he's definitely if, somebody that can guard all five positions. When Jermaine might be coming back? That is a good question. Uh, it helps that they don't play at all this week. I'm purely speculating, but I think he we could see him at the Belmont game. That would be four, three weeks post post injury. A little over three weeks. So I think he could be in play for Belmont, but I. I could also see a scenario where if you think that you can go without him and just try to hold him out as long as possible yeah. before you get into before Jen before you start conference play because I thought that's what the early inclination was that he was going to be out until then but we'll yeah. see what happens. But. Yeah. Well, before we before we move on, uh, we got another Grant clip. We got another Grant Big J journalist uh, clip. You asked Coach about. You were you were talking to coach about uh, our play style and AJ AJ specifically uh, and how he's kind of stepped up in that leadership role and this is what he had to say. AJ is our best defender. He can guard anybody, guard a point guard, and guard a forward. When he gets going on offense, he does some miraculous things out there. And um, when he's going, he's got an unorthodox game in a lot of ways because he makes different type of shots. And when he's making those shots, you know it looks like magic out there. And tonight was one of those nights for him. But I just like he just really come into his own. And a lot of players, I don't just mean just him as a player, just him in general. And he knows exactly who he is now and exactly how he needs to play. And he's um, he's improving game by game. You got to remember, he was injured for a lot of his career. And when he got here, we know COVID, we never practiced. So now he's really getting the flow of what I thought AJ could be. He's a pretty dang good player for us. I think that last part is probably the coolest part, right? Because remember, I mean, we we talked to AJ uh, as part of our summer interview series. I think we might have released it in the spring. I can't quite remember. Um, but you know, he had talked about you know joining as one of Coach Bucky's first recruits, and you know, injuries certainly held him back. And it's just cool to see how Bucky's well. One, how AJ stuck it out, and Bucky has been able to work with him, develop him. Because you're really watching him blossom uh, into 
a phenomenal contributor to the team, but just a, an incredible basketball player to watch. And I'm I'm here for it. He's he's turning into a all around good player, going kind of, kind of from an elite defender to can do anything. Yeah, we talked about in a preview, like who's going to be that guy, like like Quez was late in the shot clock. We need a bucket real quick because the offense is not clicking. And this certain possession, who's going to be that guy? And I think he can if his outside shooting keeps up. And obviously he's unafraid attack, attacking the rim and drawing fouls. So well, we'll see how that how that translates in, in the conference play. Yeah, Bucky said it. I mean, some of those some of those shots he hit against Louisiana really did look like magic, uh, and that just really comes down to his athleticism and his balance uh, and his ability. I just think I just think things move so much slower for him, or the pace of play just feels so much slower for him that it's. I mean, truly, like falling away from the basket and throws the ball up, and somehow it it hits. So very fun to watch when he's when he's in his groove. Yeah, especially that one in the second half where he got hit, got fouled, and like started like sliding backwards as he finished, so like flexing as he was at mid slide. Yeah. I was like, this that guy's awesome. Sick. That's when I was like, he's in his own tonight. Like, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. feeling something different tonight. Yeah. I was gonna say it's the tennis beast in him. Yeah, truly, he's quick on his feet. Mm-hmm. What could have been? Not that we're not that we're sad, AJ, but you know, it does seem like that tennis career would have been nice. All right, so let us move on. We have FCS playoffs and unfortunate football portal news. Some more sad than others. But first, a little FCS playoff recap for the SOCON. As we expected, uh, Mercer got destroyed by South Dakota State. Didn't score a point. Uh, hope, the, hope the bus ride was nice and long on the way back, boys. <sighs> Glad that Mercer didn't keep the uh, – I mean – Let's be real. They were the weakest link to make the playoffs out of the SoCon. Western is is better than they are. So Mercer got dominated. Boo-hoo. Goodbye, Bears. See you next year. Hopefully all your stud wide receivers leave. Uh, Furman. Cruise past UTC. Asterisk, right? UTC without their starting quarterback and a few other key players. We knew Furman was going to win. It was unfortunate. We did not get an epic rematch uh, because UTC has enough dudes to have made it a game. But Furman rolls. Furman rolls right into Montana, who is a straight buzzsaw this season. They have like four or five ranked wins, including uh, wins over Idaho and uh, Idaho, Sacramento State. And there's one other. I'm blanking off the top of my head. But um, I would expect the Grizz to roll. But Furman, you know, Furman's been there. Furman was on on the cusp of the semis last year against Incarnate Word. They, they're kind of hardened veterans at this point. They're not going to bow down uh, easily. But it's at Montana. There was a quote that I saw kind of floating around Twitter. It was a guy who had played uh, in, in the SEC and went back down to the FCS and had to play up in Montana. He said it was the, one of the loudest, loudest environments. And even though it's a small stadium, it's kind of surrounded by the hills. It echoes. The fans are insane. So it's a heavily, heavily uh, not ta- hostile environment that the Paladins are walking into. Uh, do you all have any thoughts on the SOCON? And then, you know, any FCS playoffs thoughts in, in general? Sam, didn't Montana just, didn't Montana just play in like a blizzard last week too? 
Yeah, it was it was well, like it was snowing like a... there. It was snowing at the uh North North Dakota State game and who won with a either blocked or missed extra point. Uh, yeah, they blocked they blocked an extra point to win the game by one after yeah, crazy. They went down and scored and blocked an extra point. I saw a picture that someone tweeted of the guy that blocked the field goal. He still had the laces of the ball on his arm he was showing in the locker room. I was like, was like this is awesome. Oh my yeah. god! Oh, he kicked it yeah, so no, hard. You can see like the laces, terrible. like still, still on the guy's wrist. Yeah, yeah. I would not expect. If it to I'm improve. going from South Carolina to Montana, I just wouldn't want to go. I'm just like, yeah, let's just call it. Save ourselves some time. <laughs> Save just feel, I can just feel the pain time. in my in my hands right now. I mean, Sam, it's going to be so. You were a center, right? Like, can you feel the pain in your knuckles right now? I'm trying to like. Get in your three point stance or whatever and snap the ball in freezing weather. No. We only had to play Nashville cold, not Montana cold. <laughs> big right. big difference. That's a good distinction. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Like it was cold. It was cold, but it wasn't it wasn't bone chilling. I think I think this is the end of the road for SoCon, which tends to be in the playoffs. There's just a different level of uh talent. Typically, and you know those big sky Missouri Valley teams, and yeah, there's it's not it's kind of a it's not quite well. No, I'll say it. It's a difference in physicality and size along the trenches. Western certainly had an offensive line for the ages uh, that could have competed against anybody. Mercer, frankly, Mercer's defensive line is not bad. Uh, it's pretty good. But it's not quite big enough, right? Like you kind of need two or three J persons from UTC and a couple of uh, Devonshaw Maxwells from UTC a couple of years ago, right, to really make a difference. Because these, I mean, these teams up north, not only can they run it, they also have enough guys to to throw the ball around. So they're multifaceted. You got to get pressure. I mean, the, the tables have turned. So for for the last decade or so and they'll flip again they'll flip again the south south will get the big big dudes back and really we're just looking at you etsu and uh utc because let's be real those are the schools that have the actual potential to be a true powerhouse sanford has potential to um compete for a national championship to be a powerhouse i feel like you need to be a big public school did we talk about that coaching hire at etsu did you talk about that last week uh no we no, no, I, I think, I think we it was announced it. maybe after hired um, Gardner Webb's coach. Not William. I'm, blank, Mary. I'm blanking uh, on his name. Gardner Webb. Yeah, Gardner Webb's coach. Yeah, there's a pretty good team. So, yeah, somebody uh, said if he can win at Gardner Webb, around. he can win anywhere. And ETSU is fired up, but I mean they hired a uh, a, a lock last time, right? So who's to say, you know, is it yeah. the coach or is it the program? The, you know, the AD, the boosters, who something's off, something's off in Johnson city. Their athletic program has been in a tough spot the last several years. It must be something with that East Tennessee water, but uh, Brooke <laughs> Savage off to a pretty decent start in the non-conference yeah, play for basketball. Yeah, so maybe yeah. they're turning things around. A lot of stuff going on up there. But it is way better for the SoCon if ETSU basketball is good and if ETSU football is good. Um, 
because rising tide floats all boats, right? If if ETSU and UTC and kind of the bigger schools can raise the standard of competition, Sanford will raise it with them. Um, but rising until we're kind of pushed, all boats. Yep. that's right. Michael, I say a so lot of common phrases. I, I say a lot of common phrases. I'm concerned for you. I know. It's like, <laughs> like a, the blind a common phrase every, my dad. Or, a common phrase my dad might use. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh exactly. Gosh, get out of here. Uh, okay, well, let's talk about the sad news. So some guys are in the portal. couple names that we're really bummed about, mainly Jabari Brooks, are also con linemen, stud, Played great at guard, centered when we needed him to. You could put him anywhere. Um, sad, sad to see him go. Obviously, we're wishing him the best of luck. We'd love to see him go uh, somewhere exciting. Not on the FCS level. If he goes FCS, we will be pissed. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Jabari Brooks is in the portal. Yeah, yeah as we said, tough. sorry, go ahead, Mike. That's tough, but I think one thing with the portal for a program like Sanford is you got to know when to when to appreciate the guys that are transferring and like you know wish the best for them for for the right reasons and and maybe when to be salty about it. I think Jabari Brooks is ho- you know hoping he goes to an FBS program. He's played his way up. He, he you know he's been with the program for a while. He's done a lot of good for us and. We hope mm-hmm. that he gets you know a good FBS offer where he can really show his talents at the next level. For yeah, sure. especially guys uh, that are using their COVID years. Like I'm not going to fault. I need care if it's COVID year. I'm not going to fault you if you had some good years to move up a level. So we'll see if that actually no, happens. Sure. But again, I'm not going to be mad about any guy wanting to move up. No, the biggest bummer is he plays the most important position. So you know, nice offensive linemen don't grow on trees, especially in the SoCon. So he's going to be probably the most difficult to replace out of the guys that we're about to list. Uh, another big loss was linebacker Josiah Cotton. You know, big contributor, loved watching him play. Uh, he hit the portal this week as well, or I guess this past week as well. Not not sure where he's wanting to go. You know, it's not as clear. It's a lot easier to gauge where an offensive lineman might be able to go, but there's, I mean, all kinds of possibilities for Josiah. Uh, it's a lot riskier as you get closer and closer to what you might define as a skill position. Um, so we'll kind of see what happens where he lands. Hopefully he finds a home because there's that scary stat of, it was like what, 10 to 15% of portal kids never, never get placed back. Something crazy. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So linebacker, there's a lot of linebackers out there. Not a lot of O-linemen whole lot of linebackers, but obviously we wish him the best of luck. Big contributor gone, right? The portal giveth and the portal take. Taketh. Yep. Take. Taketh. Whatever that word is. <laughs> yeah, taketh. You got it. Yeah, you got it. Uh, and then a guy that just uh, never really, got now. A guy that never found his groove. I think it just wasn't necessarily a scheme fit because uh, he is a freak athlete, is Kobe Stewart. Uh, the dude's going to find a home. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but just kind of bummed that it never really worked out. We talked in the preseason. I was high on him. I was like, look, he's going to get some more playing time. He got a little bit more playing time. Uh, it's still not as much as he probably would want or need uh, to keep developing the way he probably wants to. So we wish him the best of luck to 
just disappointed to see that it didn't quite work out like like we wanted to. Yeah, not and many then, guys on trees that are DN at 6'3", 226. So. Avery Hughes, he was our former A&M transfer. He was hurt. He's probably leaving just because Jimbo's son is coming in. Probably just doesn't want to. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> or Jimbo's injuries, coming in. Injuries <laughs> are the classic. <laughs> yeah, Jimbo's clearing house. Yes, Mike, there we go. Gets here. Yeah. Yes. Transferring away from Jimbo. Finally, somebody on my team. Let's go. <laughs> injuries are always hard to gauge. Oh, I mean, you don't get plugged in really with the team. You're always kind of with the injured guys doing their rehab. You don't get a play, obviously. So it's just harder for a transfer to find their find their fit. Not really surprised, right? And then the last guy, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name. He did not play this year. He's a running back. Uh, Joquette Giles is what I'm going to attempt. Um, but he's looking for playing time, right? Uh, we had Jay Stanton, all-time Sanford great. And we had a couple key couple key transfers. So he just never really found a role. Um we we wish him luck, but you know, not a huge not a huge loss there. But with every transfer that didn't necessarily play this year, there's always the uh, unknown kind of cost of well, maybe he could have produced if he stayed a year. So I say that we're not really losing much, but who knows? Maybe he would have been our starting running back next year. Hard to say. And you're always going to find good run. Kind of like good, but you're always going to find running backs where you need them. So if you need a depth piece. There's definitely a lot of guys out there. You can go for 100%. I mean, I, yeah, this is a, a weird l- time in the portal. Well, I just think it's a weird time in the portal because FCS players have transferred and grad players have, or have entered the portal and grad players have entered the portal, but the masses of, of the FBS have, are yet to enter the portal. So I just feel like it's kind of slowly working our way up to knowing who all's there. And so obviously we're going to lose – you're going to see the more veteran grad guys in the portal first, which are going to mm-hmm. seem like a bigger impact. That's fair. Yeah. I, we've been offering probably seems like 10 kids a day. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who we pick up. I would like us to see us to recalibrate uh, the scholarship allocation uh not so heavy on wide receiver and corner maybe a little more on offensive defense linebacker or offensive defense line and linebacker you know i don't know if we need to play eight nine guys at receiver we got some pretty good young pieces especially our wide receiver one and brendan jenkins we don't need 10 guys you know i don't know maybe you need 10 so you uh you never know who's gonna hit you know <laughs> cast a it's wide lottery net. yeah no, it'll be but i agree in in the hatcher system you're probably gonna find guys that can do what they need to do yes yes 100 so we'll we'll kind of keep you all abreast of who might or who who's committed so far from the portal once those guys start announcing because right now we're just seeing offers um no no commitments yet we probably we'll see we'll certainly see a few commitments by the high school national signing day but most of them will probably come in on that second national signing day in the winter next year so we'll, you know we'll keep everybody informed as as much as we can it's hard enough tracking power 5 recruiting much less uh, fcs sam speaking of wide receivers before we move on sanford is losing 1 2 3 4 5 6 guys from that wide receiver room so 
That's not even a dent. Maybe that's why we took so we'll many. Be looking in. for some. It's not even a dent. We'll be looking for. <laughs> we some have like guys. fifteen scholarship wide receivers. Got fifteen more. Yeah. Oh, guess it, it's you insane. Run that list. I know it's like. Because you run through that. Do you have that list up? Yeah, Chandler Smith gone, RJ Starkey gone, Ty King gone, Ian Cousin All right, let's gone, stop. Those Kadir are some playmakers. Gone, stop. And Peyton Ringer. No, just playing. Keep going. Peyton Ringer. Who was the last one? Yeah, okay, there you go. Oh, Peyton Ringer. Uh, Peyton Ringer. And then uh, Rias has his COVID year, I believe. So he'll. It would not shock me if he, he cashed he in and left. Too, so. It would not shock me if he hits the pool. But it's good that he hasn't hit it yet. So the Be- Rias again, and Brennan. Yeah, there are show. a ton. Because next year is a yeah, there are a ton a of rebuild. wide receivers now. That he's, that he's it's a true up. rebuild next year. And Michael Vice, assuming right? is gone. Yeah, Vice gone. You get EJ Mason coming back. EJ, but, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, no, I love. Still a long, long way to go in the portal. I love the portal carousel. It adds a whole different dynamic to college football. It makes it a lot. I think it makes it fun, or in college sports in general, basketball especially. Because uh, when we started, you know, reeling in some of those kids, now granted, we were hyped about Love Day, but um, I don't know. It's fun when you hit on a kid. So moving on, uh, our last segment before we get to our senior spotlight this week: State of the Bulldogs women's basketball. We're back to our winning ways, guys. We beat USC Upstate, shocker, uh, and then a nice little win against Jacksonville State, but. A big game is looming on Sunday against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, they are 7-2, including a top 25 win over Louisville. So, obviously a tough matchup. A, a real nice test for our Bulldogs. And, uh, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's early in the season. You never know what could happen. But if you notch a nice win against Bama, that's huge. Ending ending tonight, guys, with our senior spotlight. It's funny. So last last week we did Peyton Ringer, and I open up. Madeline's out here throwing away a bunch of mail, and I open up the Seasons magazine before we toss it, and Peyton Ringer was spotlighted in it. So I just want everybody to know that we did not do that on purpose. Uh, he got a lot of uh, publicity between us and, and the, the Seasons magazine, but I don't think I don't think our spotlight this week was in seasons uh harper mcgowan so michael this one's for you she's on the cross country team we are highlighting it as a legitimate sport on the podcast for the first time officially she's a senior from auburn alabama sports punishment exactly which no one it's hey i'm not running that much exactly exactly she is from auburn alabama uh, th- this past month, she competed at the NCAA South Regional, where Sanford placed 10th. I think this was her second South Regional to compete in, uh, but she's been part of, I don't want to say dynasty, but part of a nice run we've had. She was part of three SOCON outdoor uh, conference championship teams and then one indoor title championship team. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Harper and the cross-country team. Thank you, Harper, for you know staying at Sanford all four years. Cross country team has always been impressive, at least in our recent memory at Sanford. And Harper's played a pivotal role in that. It's nice to give a shout out to somebody not in the big in the big sports. So shout out for finding finding that. Yeah, that's the goal with these yeah, like senior spots. And the cross country and track teams have been pretty strong program yeah, like for it. Sanford. So for sure, a lot of great 
I mean, at least when we were there, a lot of great individuals on those teams. I'm sure it's the same now. We don't have a big game. We don't. We don't have a big game uh, this week. The Belmont game's not for another another week. Yeah, we don't have a game. I guess it's fi- it's got to be finals time. Um, kids are actually have to go to school. Is, so yeah. everybody, tune into the FCS playoffs. Uh, there's going to be some good matchups. I, I've got an idea. If you want to watch that Montana game, there's another one you should key into the Albany Idaho game. That one should get pretty competitive, and. Um, Unfortunately, there's probably one or two more blowouts in the FCS playoffs until we get to all good games, but we should get at least two really good ones this week. Uh, so enjoy those, um, and we will catch you all next week. State of the Bulldogs is out. Hey, you already know, you know, Sanford, about to get that ring, man. Hey, love y'all. We love y'all.